0: Welcome to Remotely Creative, I'm Rob Flattery. With me today is Thomas Evans, a.k.a. Detour, an all-around creative specializing in large-scale public art, interactive visuals, portraiture, immersive spaces, and creative directing. Thomas, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, well, so welcome home. How was your trip to Milwaukee?
1: It was good, Um, hot and humid, Uh, a lot of work. Um, you know, on the side of a wall for a good six days, and then just nothing but lifting paint and bending down and lifting more paint and um, eating Wisconsin food, which is not the healthiest, but cheese curds. What's up? Cheese curds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said cheese curds, not cheese ball. Cheese curds. So Uh I got reprimanded for that, and then a restaurant called Cops. It's, I didn't know what it was, but it's like K O P P S or K O O P S. It's like a burger joint, burger okay. stand, but it's like a really famous one out there. Uh, I guess everyone was telling me about it and they took me to it and it actually is pretty good. Um, but I can see why, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are overweight <laughs> because it was, it was really good. That and frozen custard. Uh, so eating a lot of that while painting in Wisconsin. But, you know, everything turned out really good. Um, super stoked about the result. And then did another mural as well uh, out there and built with, the, with the community as well. So like oh. met some other artists out there um, and sort of tried to figure out, you know, how do I sort of build more of a network out there and, you know, come out there even more. Because it's my first time in Milwaukee, or even Wisconsin in general. So, you know, it was like a a cool, really cool place. Um, A place where it's kind of like, I could see more artwork being done out there. So figuring out, you know, just how to connect with more artists out there to sort of um, be a more supportive arts community um, for artists coming from other places out there.
0: Very cool. Did you fly out there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So So I flew. Uh, The airports are like ghost towns right now. Uh, So I flew out almost like six o'clock from BIA and it was almost dead. And same thing when I landed there, it was about 10 and it was almost no one in the airport. Same thing coming back from Milwaukee at the Milwaukee airport. It was no, no one. But when I landed, there was a lot of people here and there were a lot of people on the layover. And Dallas Fort Worth, so you know it's, it's uh I guess some stuff is coming back depending on what airport you're at, um, larger airports I guess, but um, yeah flew there, um, I just didn't want to drive.
0: Yeah, no, to- that yeah. seems like a horrible <laughs> day and a half drive there. Oh no, no definitely not uh, a driving person right now. No, um, on the airplane was there? Was it full or wearing a mask? Yeah, on- oh, yeah, oh
1: yeah, 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 It, it was full. It was um. Because they reduced the amount of flights. So now it's like each flight is a little bit more packed. Okay. So I think it's only Delta who has like the middle seat Uh taken out. So I was on United and American Airlines. So it was sort of a smaller plane um, going there, but coming back, it was um, sort of like the three seats on each side. Um, But it was mostly full. Um, But I mean, airports have. You know they pretty much kept everything clean, um, so I wasn't too worried about anything. And then, you know, the flight was normal. Not, nothing crazy happened. So nothing, <laughs> nothing to end up on the news about. So it, it was all good.
0: So that that was like number one goal: make sure it's like I get there and back pretty safe. Nice. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that happened. So, what mural were you, did you go out there for, uh, to do? So crazy because I'm actually trying to do like a YouTube video on
1: that experience. It just like. The, the experience of like how I got it. And it was mainly because I was doing a mural on the side of the highway about three and a half years ago. And this lady stopped off, Stacy, and her husband um, does something in Boulder, like a, a bike race in Boulder that he trains for. So they were, they were in town and they were driving back and they saw me on I-70 um, between Colorado and Quebec painting a mural on the side of the highway. So they stopped. They introduced themselves and said, hey, um, Stacy, I do uh, this thing called Wallpaper City in Milwaukee. And that is basically an organization that tries to promote, you know, street art as much as they can in the area. And she introduced herself because she knew my work. She followed me on Instagram and she saw me painting live. So she stopped and invited me, you know, hey, you need to come up to Milwaukee and do some murals and everything. And they have this space called Black Cat Alley where they do a ton of murals as well. And basically, it was a good almost three years, three and a half years of, you know, things didn't align up perfectly. Uh, Even her uh, other partner in the organization, uh, Antoine, came down to our festival uh, to check that out, too. But nothing really, really aligned for me. Up until about two months ago, when they reached out about this uh, current um, gig on the side of like a, a assisted living facility, and they were working with a small town on the outskirts. Well, it would be like almost Aurora to Denver, like a little suburb. Okay, and it's called West Dallas, and they're sort of trying to get more sort of creative energy in that city, and because it's mostly Sort of like it was an old town, but the real estate value is really good. So a lot of young people are coming in. So they're trying to get more young energy and stuff like that. So they wanted to do like a mural on the main road. So that's why they teamed up with the city and they liked my work. And that's when they hit me up about two months ago. And basically I said, yes. And this was like around the same time of uh, Father's Day. And basically that's why the mural I did is more of a father son sort of themed and basically taking a picture of my friend JC who owns a shop on Colfax and have he had his son on his shoulder I took a picture of that and a couple other reference photos and you know went back to the studio sorted through them and loved the one with uh, him on the shoulder and that's the one I sent to them that I wanted to do and they loved the idea as well and it fit perfectly with the building. uh, Being like an assisted living facility has like that generational aspect as well. Um, And sort of like uh, people of color during this time and especially in um, that part of uh, Wisconsin was super important. So it was like everything sort of just aligned um, for that project and it it was fun. It was like Mm -hmm. going out there painting in a place where they don't have a ton of street art. Um, So especially of that size, So they were super, super excited about, you know, something like that coming and having uh, the opportunity to see the progress and just like how, you know, that large of a mural is sort of created because I did over the course of six days. So they got to see each day uh, me sort of go on the lift and go up and sort of just roll and spray paint and, you know, scale the work up and, you know, how that process sort of looked and, you know, from the beginning of it to the end of it, you know, it's like a totally different building. And, you know, I had a, a ton of people stop by and just hang out and just watch the mural go up. Uh, there was a family of it's um, like an uh, older lady, her daughter and her grandkids came by every day and watched me paint and her granddaughter it was really cool because she would actually draw um, draw on her uh, construction paper and colored paper and give it to me every day. And They would give me water because it was really hot out there. And they would just hang out and just watch me paint. So, you know, it was like something that they'd never seen before. So at the end of the mural, I actually gave them all the kids the empty spray paint cans oh. on each so that they can take and, you know, later in life, and, you know. 10, 15 years from now, it's kind of like, oh, this spray paint can was that sort of uh, color on this mural in town type of thing. So it was it was really fun just building with the community uh, for the most part. And a lot of people that I follow online um, who are from the area came out. And a lot of people from Denver, too, uh, when they found out I was out there in West Dallas, they would sort of comment like, hey, that's where I'm from, or I have family out there, or... You know, I'm from there. Next time I go out, you know, let me know the cross streets. So it's sort of this thing where, you know, you, you go somewhere, you put up artwork and you find out how small the world is in terms of, you know, people having this six degrees or six degree separation uh, from something. And, you know, how, you know, sometimes it's just one degree um, and you didn't even know it. So really, it was a really fun project. Uh, hopefully I get the opportunity to do something like that again um in the area because you know still want to sort of build with uh, the area. I didn't know I never even thought about Milwaukee other than sports. Uh, other than the Brewers or the Bucks. I was like there's no reason I would even think about Milwaukee other than it's just on the map. So it was sort of like they make beer, know, there. beer. They got motorcycles. Yeah, they they, they said they had Harley or which everyone has and oh, really? you know yeah, I had no clue how he was from there, but um, I found the, out the real Bucks
0: quick. On, <laughs> on the, their jerseys, you know, they did the jersey patches for the NBA this last year or last two years. Yeah, Harley Davidson is the one for Milwaukee. That's the oh, only I know it. Thing yeah, I
1: see, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. I mean, I met Giannis, one of their star players once um, in New Orleans, of all places, but never really thought about Milwaukee other than, you know, when I went there um early in the month, but now it's like a, a really cool place. It's actually I think the metro area is bigger than Denver. Oh really? Um, yeah, I mean there is just a just really a lot to do out there. Um I don't know if it's because, you know, it's just like a really packed area. It's right beside the the lake, which is really cool. And you know, it's only ninety miles from Chicago oh. as well. So I think they get a lot of people from Chicago who, you know, don't want to be in Chicago anymore. Uh, So I guess, um, you know, it was, uh, it's growing and, you know, it's like one of those places where now that I've been there, you know, it's like, I want to sort of of go back again and check it out. Um, But hopefully I'll I'll be back again with another art project Um, because I did another wall in a place called black cat alley right after I did that large one. Cause I had like an extra day just to um, just to see the city. And, they mentioned this individual Lex Allen who is like a musician out there who does a lot of work opened up for uh, Lizzo and she's pretty big. So, you know, he does a lot of work out there. So I was like, Oh, that'd be perfect to sort of paint him in that area and went down to the alleyway that they have all the artwork in and, you know, just started painting and spent a good three or four hours there just painting uh, Lex and watching people just roll by and, um, take photos in the alleyway. So it was, it's really fun out there. And it was like, I guess it's really good to be out there during that time because otherwise, you know, the winters are pretty harsh. They kept telling me about, so I'm like definitely lucky to be out there when it's warm. So, yeah, I mean, that that was like my trip in Milwaukee.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you had some good food, so, you know, why not? Good fattening yeah, food? Yeah. I, like I, I like the fattening fast food, so. Yeah. They got a lot of that. No, there's like no salad place to even think about. Why? You like, can I get a salad there. Like, there's none around here. Um, but yeah, I mean, was, just get some crazy. grass. Just go pick it out of the. the if you want salad, yeah, yeah, lettuce yeah, and tomato on your burger. That's the salad, right?
1: Yeah, they had there cool, and they have like some uh, really interesting places. There's like an axe throwing bar. I think we, I don't know if we have one in Denver. I thought we had one in Denver, but there's a place next to the Black Cat Alley downtown on East Milwaukee, there was a place where you could pet cats and drink wine. And yeah, I was like, "Real okay, anything goes, I guess, nowadays. So I was like, I was trying to figure out, you know, what type of business plan yeah. they wrote when they were thinking of that idea or, you know, how would you pitch that on Shark Tank? But I guess it works. I guess they've been in business for a good while. So if you want to, pet cats and drink wine you can go to milwaukee yeah
0: on tennyson they have the denver cat cafe but it's just coffee just coffee yeah, yeah i've never been my wife's been but yeah.
1: uh yeah this one you can actually just hang out and pet cats
0: why not <laughs> why not yeah. yeah gives you something to do may, maybe I, I, test I it like out. it
1: like, is definitely different and interesting so that's why i'm like i gotta go back to milwaukee and just hang out for a little bit
0: well, that's cool. I, I'm kind of like thinking maybe I should go to Milwaukee. Like I'd never gone to Seattle, went to Seattle for work. And then like a couple months later, I took my wife. I was like, Seattle's pretty awesome. Let's go out there. So nice. Milwaukee sounds like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee is definitely like a, a really cool place. Um, so yeah, just got to figure out, you know, a good time to sort of go back.
0: Definitely. So yeah. I know you do a lot of portraits like the Brianna Taylor mural on 28th and Walnut here in Denver. Do you hope that your work will bring justice and uh, commemorate those you're honoring?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's why one of the reasons why I was doing them, Um, but more so, you know, a lot of the street art because it's public, because, you know, it's, it's something that people see all the time when they go to work, come home, lunch, you know, out for a jog, going to the gym. It's something that helps people, um, or it helps remind people um, consistently on a daily basis of like what's important. And it's something like a billboard where it's like you can get a message out there. Um, you don't have to go to a gallery or a created space to sort of see work um, that sort of has a message. So that's why I like the the street art realm and doing work like that. You know, especially for uh, this current time, it's like it helps sort of tell the story of what's happening today and what's happening. So I I like to tell artists that, you know, it's like, we're, we're the historians. You can go back in time and figure out what society was like in any culture, um, by looking at the art, you know, what type of metal was used, type of fabrics were used, what, you know, what, what was the, the caste system, the class system, the, you know, who, who's hierarchy. So, you know, all these different things and now it's like we have to sort of make sure that we do the same. Um, so all those different murals that I was doing, um, really was telling, uh, more so about what was happening today and what was the movement was about and also venturing into the idea of, you know, using screwed art and just art in general as a healing tool. Um, so, you know, one of my friends got shot and his girlfriend passed away. um, you know, last month and doing a mural for um, his girlfriend and her family and friends was something where it was like, I knew art could be like a healing tool, but you know, having it in front of your face and seeing what it can do and sort of the mountains it can move was like really interesting and sort of like, um, for me, it's like it changes a lot of what I do um, mm-hmm. because I saw how. You know, just putting up a mural of someone who recently passed away and having their family sort of like, uh, sort of use that mural as sort of therapy and seeing me uh, put it up as therapy and sort of a healing tool. Uh, so, the work that I do, you know, I really want to make sure it has a huge impact and it's not just something pretty to look at. Uh, so, that's why, you know, this past almost month and a half is, has been more so doing work that is more about the community uh, that I'm in uh, versus something that I just like. Um, so, so for me, it was definitely important to do murals of, uh, you know, Bianca Taylor and Elijah McLean and George Floyd and uh, Isabella Thales and many other like Kurt Lovias who passed away in 2004. Her, his mom came to me uh, after seeing my work and said, hey, can you paint my son? Uh, he passed away and was murdered in 2004 and you know for her you know having a muralist in 2020 painter's son who passed away in 2004 is like you know she feels like her son is still being seen and still being thought about even today She's and so- by someone that never knew him um, so and then like it takes a lot to do a mural so you know have having an artist sort of spend time to do one um, you know just felt Really great for her so I mean seeing that and um, having that sort of uh, uh, I guess experience has been sort of instrumental in sort of like the, the future work that I'll sort of try to do as well. Um, so yeah the past couple of months has really sort of changed um, some of the stuff in my studio practice.
0: Very cool I think that's awesome. Um, do you have any advice for you know creatives? how they can make their art um, step into like activism almost. Yeah. I mean, for me, it
1: wasn't, I didn't sort of try to force it. Um, because for the last um, month and a half, I've been doing work like that. But before it's always been more about the community, but then even during the beginnings of like uh, the protest and everything, I wasn't really doing a lot of art um, for the movement because I didn't want to force anything and you know when you start to force stuff and have the wrong intention that's when you sort of sometimes make bad art so for me it was just like sort of stumbled into a space where it's like i i knew what i wanted to paint i knew why i wanted to paint it uh, but for any artist it's kind of like just figuring out exactly you know what what do you want to say and the best way to say it and it's very hard for me to sometimes uh tell artists how to do that or what to look for. It's like sometimes, you know, you, you know, when you know, it. you know exactly when that good, when that time is or what form of art you need to do it in. Um, because sometimes, you know, it's like the form of art changes um, where it's like, you know, doing stuff on the plywood on a boarded up, you know, a store means a little bit more than something on a canvas or something, um, you know, digital so it's like for me it's like artists looking into their own practice and figuring out what what they can do in terms of I'll um, oh, actually let me rephrase, rephrase that I guess looking in each artist looking inside their practice and saying okay what what's the best way for me to add value to this movement or what's the best way for me to add a, a new voice to the movement or a new conversation Uh, to the movement. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit everywhere, but it's like, it's really hard because I can't really sort of tell another artist like exactly how to do it. Um, I just knew it when I I felt it, when I needed to make art and when I needed to to do it and how I needed to do it. Uh, But for every artist, it's going to be different. I just tell artists not to force it. Um, Just keep experimenting um, and sort of trying to contribute however they can. And when they feel it, they know exactly what to do.
0: Nice. I, I, you know, earlier you mentioned um, that, uh, you know, street art, graffiti, um, that it it allowed people to um, see the artwork and, and be, it's more accessible than having to go into a gallery. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for me, thinking about how, you know, how to work as activism, it's how do you get the imagery or how do you get that artwork into as many people's hands or as many people's eyes and mm-hmm. and brains as you can. So, you know, um, if you're going to do a painting that needs a, you know, 12 by 19 painting, that's going to sit in a gallery. Who's going to see yeah. that? I mean, it's you're yeah. your audience. So,
1: Yeah. It's like figuring out exactly how to do it today, especially with the social distancing and, you know, things are closed and then open and then closed again. Um, so like, even like this time, a lot of artists are sort of being creative in terms of how they, uh, carve out that niche, um, in sort of this new post COVID or current COVID world right now. So it's kind yeah. of like, okay, yeah, it's like, okay, I don't have a gallery and I can't have people in the same space. Okay. Can I use a projector on the side of the building or, you know, how do I sort of get my work out? Digitally, or how do I get my um, story told, or you know, this poem out to more people that are in their own respective homes um, at the same time? So, you know, there's there's um, a whole new sort of, I guess, area um, of the art world that now is sort of opened up or got shuffled up to where, you know, now TikTok can be used as you know a whole new sort of platform for people.
0: Um, until the government bans it, of course.
1: Yeah, until the government bans it, which is like, I think that might be happening. Um, yeah, but it's kind of like, you know, what what can artists do today that um, that wasn't existing in January and February? Um, so I think there's a whole new sort of world that, you know, artists can sort of uh, pick from. And now it's like, you don't have to be in that gallery space because I think the places like MoMA and... You know the art museum are still somewhat you know closed or restricted or sort of um you know they, they cut the occupancy so now it's kind of like you know doesn't matter if you get in because no one can see it yep. so you know figure out where you can get in or you can create your own space um so that's what you know why i like the, the street art realm because you know it's like you're creating your own space and doing your own thing uh just edited a video uh, that talked about me sort of finding sort of these spaces that are being slated for development, and they sort of fenced them off. These developers fenced them off. And sometimes the, the, the groundbreaking uh, doesn't happen for maybe a couple months or a year or even a couple of years because it can be delayed. And these buildings are sort of fenced off and unkept and unmaintained. So, how do we, you know, how do I sort of use those spaces um, while, you know, in between now and then being torn down for artwork? So, I think about um, two weeks, no, three weeks ago, I found a space like that off of Park Ave and Champa and reached out to the developer to actually repurpose that space into an art project and actually did something with it because it blended into the background because you know, it was all tagged up and boarded up and sort of unkept, you know, so it of blended in with the community, but uh, adding, you know, artwork on it. And sort of like this color glass and sort of like a blank canvas for other artists sort of changed up what that building, um, sort of meant to the community and using that as, you know, my gallery space, um, was like one of the goals. So, I mean, more artists doing that, you know, you start to see, um, a more diverse and more inclusive space because those spaces right there are for, you know, they're right for the picking. It's like, you don't have to go through a curator to get them. You don't have to uh, be accepted in a group show or in a gallery or a museum to get it. You just got to ask. And now it's like, it's your space to create.
0: That's awesome. Um, so with Crush walls coming up in September, do you foresee artists using the censor free guarantee to speak out?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's always been like that. I mean, there's been a ton of murals that sort of, um, uh, let me say there's been a ton of murals by artists around here that have been sort of really controversial in a way, but not even controversial because, you know, I mean, that's what street art is more. It feels like, um, not anarchy, but um, sort of counterculture, you know, it goes against the mainstream and, you know, that's what graffiti is. And, you know, with, you know, a lot of the, the subject matter and artists are in that w- way in general too. So a lot of the work that you've seen in previous um, mural festivals like crush have been, you know, sort of uh, work that, you know, has this social commentary, the one on, I guess, Ramble uh, hotels, with uh, the individual mining for gold. You know, it sort of talks about the capitalism. Um, You have uh, a mural by Jolt, um, talking about the gentrification happening in the community. I think that's off of uh, American Bonded. Um, The Angela Davis one by uh, Shepard Ferry, And then there was another one a while ago that was more of an insider one um, by the artist Gamma who had like, you know, these wolves eating a sheep, eating a rhino type of you know metaphors for uh, what was happening in the community as well. So you have all these um, works on uh, walls that have these social commentary angles and you know I mean that's what I expect from a place like Crush because it sort of was born out of you know sort of telling the truth I mean that's why artists are sort of uh, uh, looked to a lot of times. I think um, David Chappelle had in his recent sort of stand up um, talking about, you know, why do people want him, uh, want his opinion? And he was like, well, you know, you got the news and you got all these other people, but people turn to him because he's, he tells the truth. People see him as being honest. And I think that's what artists are. It's just like, you got to be honest. Um, that's like where the work is really good. Um, because when you're honest, it's like, you can't go wrong. And doing work like that in, in the street and on the walls is what really sort of moves the culture forward. Uh, so I definitely expect to see that uh, more and more.
0: Nice. Um, so related to that is the Save Art Space. Can you explain that for anyone who may not be familiar? Yes. So
1: about two years ago, I ran across one of my friends on Instagram who had her work on a billboard. And I researched and it was this organization she submitted work to called uh, Save Art Space. They're out of Detroit and I believe L.A. and New York. But um, they basically are a nonprofit that repurposes a lot of these commercial spaces for like commercial advertisements. And they put artwork from different artists in those spaces And they usually have like an activation in various cities like Chicago, Detroit, They did LA, New York. And uh, they did one, I believe, in Denver or Golden maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago. Um, So I did a submission when they had an activation in Detroit and got my work on a billboard, a large billboard in Detroit. And that got me a lot of exposure in Detroit where people didn't know me and I talked to them about coming to Crush and doing it during Crush. And that was like late last year, um, they agreed to it. And now it's like I'm curating some of these submissions. So people submit um, their work. So you can be a photographer, videographer, or photographer, uh, painter, sculptor, installation artist, whatever. If so you can sort of document it with an image. It's like you can submit that image um, to save art space. Uh, for activation in Denver. And hopefully, you know, if you get selected, we're picking 10, I believe. And if you get selected, your work will be on a space where it's like usually reserved for commercial advertisement. So billboards, bus stops, things like that. And having work, you know, sort of uh, in a space that's outside the, you know, the, the natural context of an art gallery, you know, sometimes is like, uh, can be different for people. You know, now it's like turning the 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 road or Colfax or Federal into like an actual gallery uh, on the side. So it's uh, it's a great opportunity for you know artists looking to sort of figure out you know how do I get my work onto some of these different areas. And for me, it worked in Detroit when I was in Denver, um, getting some of that exposure. So it's like anyone and everyone. Um, so you don't have to be from Denver. Uh, to submit to the uh, the open call. So if you can submit an image, um, you're, like, you're able to be, uh, you have the possibility of being selected. Um, so it's like $10 for each image. That's how they raise money to pay for all the ad space for the month. And basically you can have your work on a billboard or a bus stop or another place for like a month around town and have people see it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the opportunity we have going during September, Great. and the deadline is the 27th, and you can just go to saveartspace.org, I believe, and they have the, um, the open calls there, where they have the Denver uh, Crush Walls open call.
0: Nice, um, so do you think that this year is gonna be a little bit different because of the virus?
1: Yeah, they don't have the regular events happening, so a lot of the large public gatherings and the artist gatherings um uh, will not happen. So the secret walls like a it's like a underground art competition that really happens every year for a crush. Um that won't happen. And the sort I think I believe like the artists get together uh, may not happen. Um and there's a couple other things that may not happen, or like you know, the music and stuff. But it's not like it, everything is sort of disappearing because the artists will still be there creating work and painting and we have artists um, still coming from out of town. So I believe El Mac, who's a really, really dope artist. He's one of the, uh, my inspirations when I first started out. Um, he's coming and I have Max Sansing from Chicago coming and Sydney Jane from Detroit coming as well. Uh, we'll be taking over the large wall that has the Shepherd Fairy piece. So we're going to paint over that one right there. So there's some artists still coming from out of town. It's going to be mostly local, though, um, because we just don't know exactly um, what's going to happen in terms of, you know, the shutdown or opening or capacity, things like that. But, you know, if you have a few, but mostly local, uh, we can sort of stay safe that way. And it's going to be really great because it's going to feel like, you know, the first couple of crushes where, you know, there was no events pretty much. It was just like artists hanging out and, you know, just having a good time outside. So it's going to be a little bit more organic rather than sort of just pre plan and sort of feel sort of robotic. Um, So it's still going to, still going to have that organic feel and still be really good. So that's why I'm still excited about it. And people will still be able to walk around, you know, you'll be able to sort of go out and just hang out and check out the artists and, you know, because it's outside, it's natural. You can have as much space as you want to. So it's going to still
0: be fun. Very cool. Very cool. So in addition to all these murals, community projects, you also published a book in February? Yes, I did.
1: So I was working on that almost all of last year with my other exhibition. And basically the posting that I do every Tuesday on my Instagram, are Tip Tuesday, was sort of the catalyst. And people were asking, hey, are you gonna write a book about all the tips that you do? And my friend actually reached out to a publisher when I was talking to him about it. And they met with me, we signed a contract because they loved the idea. And then I just had to start writing because I didn't have anything written at all. It was just like an idea, like I was pitching on Shark Tank or something. And they liked it and now I have to sort of write an entire book and <laughs> meet this deadline. So I wrote the book, um, turned out really good. It's more like a sort of like a guide Swiss army knife because like talks more about the not only art but like different parts of mental health when it comes to you know, being a full time creative or just a creative in general and how you have to navigate and all these soft skills things that you sometimes don't learn in art school. So you know, how do you sort of network being an introvert? Um, how do you sort of, you know, have people envision your uh, your your work when you're trying to write a proposal? How do you get sponsorships? You know, what do people? F- what's, what's the psychology behind sort of like people on a on a selection committee? So all these different things that you know you don't really hear or talk about um, sort of formally, other than you know when artists sort of get together and sort of talk amongst themselves. Like, how do you have that in a book? So that's sort of the book that I wanted to write, uh, was, you know, more of the soft skill behind the scene nuances that really sort of happen um, uh, today. And by sort of uh, a practicing artist that you can sort of talk to on Instagram and online. So it's like, you can see me actually like in the field working all the time. Um, so that's what I really wanted to do. Cause I just wanted to like to, be sort of the book and the artist that if I, when I first started out, I would want to reach out to or listen to. Um, uh, so that was like the goal uh, for the book. So it came out in February, right before COVID, but you know, all the book signings got canceled, but because people were still inside, a lot of people ordered the book, uh, people still sort of, um, were, were using it for book clubs. Um, they were sort of still, uh, referencing it and sort of, asking me questions about it. So it was really good. So I'm still selling, uh, books to this day online mostly and through, uh, my, dis- publisher and distributor who's in Chicago. So they have it in Barnes and Nobles and Amazon and, uh, a ton of other bookstores, um, that have like, um, chains around, around the country and one, uh, distributor in Europe as well. So, it's, uh, it's getting some good traction, I'm trying to sort of increase it a little bit more. And, you know, it's like right when I write the book and publish this, like COVID happens. And now it's like there's a whole nother chapter that I should have in there. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a whole sort of topic I wanted to hit on. And, you know, it's a whole new world now. So it's kind of like, OK, the next book needs to have this in there. Um, sort of like how do you survive, you know, a pandemic you know, <laughs> as an artist? who knew contribute to uh uh, you know protest movements and things like that so there's a whole sort of uh world that just happened like right after it was released
0: so yeah you just need to you don't have to write a second book you just come out with a second edition that has a bonus chapter everybody buys it again so
1: yeah so so i mean that's that's the thing it's like so much stuff has happened since then um but people like i said are still sort of um, loving it and still sort of um, using it as like a book club. So we did with uh, the c- city of Denver and the theater district, um, a book club where we had about 15 people in the book club and we met uh, on zoom every Tuesday and sort of talked about the different chapters and basically it turned out really good. Got to meet a lot of people. Um, that sort of were really interested in figuring out how to be a full-time creative and sort of talking with them about my experience. And we had guests on that would help them out as well. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, in the book club, you know, I can see them 10, not even, well, not even 10 months from now, I'd say even like two, two or three years, you know, sort of being um, sort of a mover and shaker in the arts community because of the different spaces they're in on sort of like the work that they're, they're doing, you know, they have a lot of potential and, you know, hopefully the book helped out in terms of getting them to, you know, that next level in terms of their career and making it full time and, you know, just navigating the crazy world right now.
0: Totally. Well, I mean, I think that's awesome. You know, it's pretty cool that it came out of your social media post. Like you had the tip Mm -hmm. Tuesdays and then that's where it began how how crazy or, you know, social media didn't exist 10 years ago, or I yeah. guess we had MySpace, maybe Facebook. was, <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, h- how has social media played a role in advancing your career? Um, it's almost, I'd say
1: 90% of me getting of a lot of exposure and opportunities um, because – you know, it's not like in the book, I'd say with galleries and um, sort of museums and curators, like it's not that there's, there's no gatekeepers. It's like there's too many gates to keep. So it's kind of like you can go anywhere now. And if you get locked out of one place, it's like you can just go around them. Um, so social media has helped me sort of build my collector base and sort of allowed me to sort of move my work uh, where I want to, when I want to, um, having, you know, like even like the the job in Milwaukee was because she saw my work on Instagram, saw me painting on the side of the road and stopped because she knew my work and she wanted to invite me and, you know, having the opportunity to have work in, you know, all over the world digitally and have people sort of follow me digitally and when I go to a certain area, it's like they, they, they come up to me and meet me physically, but it feels like they've known me for a long time. So it has definitely helped out when it comes to, you know, sort of having my own destiny in my own hands. So now it's like I don't have to rely or put my sort of uh, future in the hands of others as much as someone in 1990 or you know, '80s, '70s, back then would have had to do um, because you have to get the the AOK from you know certain people, or you have to have the certain pedigree from a certain school to sort of get by. So a lot of people today, you know, are are sort of really making their their career happen because of social media and the way they can sort of build their own network, their own fan base and collector base and survive just on, you know, the work that they put in themselves. so, I mean, you can like, it would still be great to have like gallery representation and an agent manager, stuff like that, um, because it is a lot of work. I mean, it's like I'm online almost every day, answering emails every day, trying like doing my own YouTube videos, I'm trying to collect all the, uh, today I'm I'm working on collecting all the video and images from my Milwaukee trip because, you know, it's just, it was, I was so busy that I didn't have time to do any of that. Um, but with social media, it becomes a little bit easier just to even do stuff like that is collect all the content uh, mm-hmm. that people created around my project. Um, so it's been really, really good uh, just to have social media and, you know, it's kind of like figuring out where... Uh, this sort of goes in the future uh, especially with um, you know actual physical spaces being more i guess harder to maintain and acquire because of real estate prices and rent and you know galleries have to you know figure that out and how they sort of relate to the art world now you know it's harder and harder to have uh, to re- re- rely on a physical space. So, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, it's going to be interesting to see how do artists sort of work around that in a digital space where, you know, at any time you can go back on lock- lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like a whole new world and trying to figure out how to navigate that, you know, a year from now, three years from now, five, ten years from now. How does that look for for artists?
0: Um, are there any negatives to having such a, such a strong online uh, base? Um, nothing that I can
1: complain about. Okay. I mean, there's, you know, I'm always being sort of requested to do something. And, you know, sometimes when you, you feel like you want to help out a lot or you're, you're sort of accessible, it's like you get pulled in a lot of different directions. Or, you know, even just with the idea of like having online media uh, or online sort of um, uh, galleries um, or social media being online galleries, it's kind of like, you know, your work can get stolen in a whole nother country and there's really no recourse for you. Um, My stuff is, you know, always being taken and repurposed in, um, I believe it's Saudi Arabia or Dubai. Uh, one of those places. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like people will print my work out uh, or take my work, put it on their Instagram and say, hey, I can do prints of this work. And they all deliver canvases in Dubai. And, you know, someone hit me up to that account and I checked it out and sent a message and then they blocked me. And there's really no recourse I can have. Yeah. I mean, but they seen it because it was online and spread all over the place. And sort of the idea of, you know, this sort of uh, idea of almost ownership when it comes to the work that you do and the process that you do and the style and all these different things, you know, sort of becomes a little bit more loose when you're sort of sharing everything and people can sort of pick apart, you know, your practice and use this, this and this of your work, or your process, or your, figure out what materials you're using. So, you know, now it's like, it's community sort of style, it's community process, all this community stuff. So it comes a little bit harder to sort of sometimes even differentiate yourself uh, when you're online. And even on top of that, the idea of uh, always having um, this consumable art at your fingertips, All across the world millions of artists it's like you sometimes get into uh, bad mental spaces when you're an artist you know you're sort of sometimes comparing yourself to other artists and you're like oh this artist has these many followers and I don't is my work just as good so I have had that talk with a lot of artists Um, so sometimes even just like the idea of social media can be great but also can be um, negative in many ways Um, So like figuring out, you know, when you have to sort of sometimes check out or reinforcing what's important when it comes to how to use social media and not sort of uh, make it the be all end all or rely on it for your self-esteem as an artist or your worth as an artist or the worth of your work. Um, So, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's great for getting the work out there, but it also has a lot of drawbacks because of. Um, some of the sort of mental health side of things that can happen and a lot of the sort of uh, the ideas of ownership and copyright and sort of like um, you know just being unique in many ways is sometimes sort of gone when you're constantly sharing online
0: yeah I think you should buy one of the canvases have it shipped there or shipped to your studio alter it do whatever you want, put it back online, see if they'll, they'll print it again. Just have like an endless cycle. Yeah.
1: I I need to do that, man. I need to do that. I mean, it's like you, I can, there's a ton of those sort of places online that will sort of do that. And I I was going to post this up probably later next week, but reading this article that's, um, Someone sent me almost two years ago. I wanted to revisit it and it talked about the idea of how in the Eastern cultures, the idea of copying isn't the same as in Western cultures. So, you know, sort of like they have no sort of, um, there's not sort of like this um, uh, downward sort of, or what's the word? There's not this negative connotation when it comes to copying Because for them, it's like sometimes a copy can be just as good as the original or be more represented more of the original idea of things. So it was like a whole article I was reading on that and sort of like some of the practices in Japan and in China that sort of uh, were sort of uh, really um, uh, communicating that, I guess, that idea for me. So like the idea of like, you know, copies and originals and sort of this whole idea of like you know, what's the original Um, was really sort of interesting and how we see it differently in the world. Um, So yeah, I mean, like even like social media, get me on sort of that tip when it comes to, you know, how do how our culture is different and how do we sort of um, sort of work together in this world at the same time. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff when you get online and go into the deep dive. It's uh, you can get into some really interesting topics.
0: I had a guest on last week we talked about Doom scrolling. So you, know, where you just go and you just look at all the bad stuff on on online. So don't get <laughs> Doom scrolling.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can definitely go down that uh YouTube rabbit hole, the Twitter rabbit hole. So
0: Twitter is where I think the worst for that. Yeah, so.
1: Twitter, I've done that a lot.
0: Yeah. So um Apparently you have a really great uh, cautionary tale for our students out there who don't read their emails and they don't, I promise you. Um, I believe it involves Jay-Z and David Letterman. Can you share that story? That happened when I was on a residency
1: in France and I get the, an email from uh, Netflix and I thought it was just like a regular email from Netflix, like, you know, a newsletter about the upcoming episode or whatever, or, um, no, and, or like, it was like a I thought it was like an internship type of thing too. Okay. And you know, it's like, you just don't open those up like Netflix opportunity and you don't open them up because you're like, I'm 30, I don't need an internship right now. So, but I opened it up and it looked like a regular email and started reading it. And I guess, um, the people they work with for the, their campaign and advertising stuff wanted. Uh, me to uh, do some work for them and paint jay-z and david letterman uh for the episode that they had on jay-z and answered or responded really quick and they got back to me and said hey this is what we need you to do and i was like okay cool you know they they don't pay (laughs) pretty much at all Uh, It's it's, is horrible pay but You know, it's like a great opportunity to work with an an ad firm and sort of some of the other people um, because you just never know what opportunities will come about. So I decided to take on the project, but I had to sort of find all the materials that I needed because I was in France doing more interactive work um, versus, you know, my regular sort of um, pop art stuff and, you know, film myself out there painting the two um, portraits and then sent them the, the videos and they used that for uh, the marketing campaign stuff for that episode uh, with Netflix. So you know, it was like a great opportunity um, that sort of came out of nowhere. And usually it's because some kid is following me on Instagram and they're in the brainstorming meeting um, at the ad firm. And when they're saying, hey, what type of artist can we get? You know, my name gets thrown out in the sort of the room and they put it on the board with a bunch of other names. And I guess I just survived the cut. And then they contact me and I just make it. So, I mean, that's sort of like some sometimes how, you know, I get these opportunities Um, because I'm sure there's been a ton of brainstorming meetings where my name comes up. But, you know, I just don't make it to the end of it type of thing. So it was like, that's sort of what happened, uh, with the, uh, that Letterman opportunity.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's like the, the March madness bracket. Sometimes you don't yeah. all the way to the end.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's a numbers game.
0: Yep. I, that's awesome though. That's awesome. So is there anything you want to um, plug before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think we touched on a little bit of everything. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, we touched on everything, all the recent projects I've done. Um, so yeah, I think that's good.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you being here. It was great uh, listening to you, talking to you, and uh, I look forward to uh, to meeting you in real life someday if we're not in lockdown for yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I got to actually, um,
1: is, are they having in-person classes now at uh, RimCAD?
0: Yes, starting August 31st, knock on okay. wood, so yeah, you're, okay. uh, you have to come out. Oh, you're going to do a wayfinding talk.
1: Yeah, he asked me do to do some online. other stuff as well, so, so yeah, I actually got to uh, figure that sort of um, logistics out and everything, because I've been doing more lectures via Zoom, just like trying to figure out when the in-person stuff is, uh, is going to happen uh, soon. Yeah, Zoom is life now yeah (laughs) it is life now yes it is but um yeah i mean well i think we touched on a little bit everything um yeah if you need anything else from me just let me know
0: awesome well thomas i appreciate you being here today um uh, again uh your work is amazing and just keep it up thank you thank you thank you all right Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Remember, you can find links and images from today's guest on our website, remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. And don't forget to submit your questions for us by emailing remotelycreative at remcad.edu. That's rmcad.edu. Make sure to subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.